Hi, folks, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I explore a different topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I'm your host, Jess Sertikoff Romola. I'm a registered dietitian, dietitian supervisor, and owner of Empowering Dietitians where I work with dietitians just like you who are tired of the status quo in our field and are ready to reclaim their confidence, passion, and purpose. In today's episode, I'm joined by Orly Vector, a registered dietitian and business coach who helps health professionals stand out online and create captivating content that gets them fully booked. I resonate deeply with Orly's approach, which is all about staying true to yourself and aligning your work with your values to live life on your terms. In this episode, we chat about the biggest things holding dietitians back in business, how to stand out in the online marketing space, and how to figure out if private practice or any form of business is truly right for you. Welcome to the podcast, Orly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I can't wait to chat more with you officially on the record. Um, I had the honor of being interviewed by you in your time summit last year. So now I am excited to be able to turn the tables a little bit and get to chat with you and hear your perspective. Yeah, so fun. And as a podcast host myself, it's kind of, yeah, it's fun to be on the other side of the mic and getting the questions asked to me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So how about you tell everyone a little bit about yourself if they are new to you as a dietitian? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Orly Vector, and I am the creator of the Health Pro to CEO Method, where I help dietitians and health coaches create captivating content that gets them fully booked with self-paid clients and also just enjoy the process of building their business a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that part, that enjoyment piece. I'm hoping that we have time to dig into that a little bit because sometimes we get so focused on the like numbers and the metrics and the growth that we forget about the joy and the pleasure and the fun um, that we can have with our work as well. Totally. And those are the things that get you better results anyway. So it shouldn't be an afterthought. It's like the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm so with you. Now, what made you want to pivot into business coaching? I I don't know. I I get this question a lot when I'm on other podcasts of like, what made you want to do this? So maybe you do too. Um, But what made you want to switch into this role? Yes, that's a good question. So thank you for asking. And it's a bit of a long story. So I'll try to keep it brief. But I worked as a clinical dietitian for nine years. And most of that was in oncology. And I did, you know, I loved it when I first started. But over time, it just I didn't feel challenged anymore. And so um, I eventually started my first online business, the skincare dietitian. And I ran that for a couple of years. And through the process of doing that, I just learned so much about business and copywriting, marketing. And I decided that I wanted to give business coaching a try. Honestly, it just feels like it was meant to be. It feels like it's the right fit for me. I love it more than I ever loved nutrition. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I've always like I've always loved mentoring other people. I used to tutor in high school. I taught at a local university. 
I always took interns at the hospital. Um, so yeah, so just mentoring other people, especially other health professionals felt like a natural fit. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. I do enjoy the nutrition clients who I do still have, but my heart and soul is really here with other dietitians. And it's so interesting how we stumble into that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I will say that, you know, when I did decide to pivot, it wasn't like I completely gave up the nutrition and just dove in. Mm -hmm. I still continued with that for about a year as I transitioned into the business coaching. I really just dabbled in it at the beginning. I wanted to test it out. So I took on a few uh, clients just as a test run, like for free, um, just to see if I even liked it and see if I wanted to continue with it. And so that gave me the confirmation I needed to continue and just go all in with it. Yeah, absolutely. And so now you've been working with dietitians for a little while in different capacities, helping them with their business. What do you see as the biggest thing that's holding dietitians back when they decide that they want to start their own business? Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say the biggest thing is perfectionism. This is such a common trait with dietitians and health professionals in general. We really just want to have everything perfectly mapped out, like know every step in the journey before we get started. And that's impossible as an entrepreneur. Like the best thing that you can do is just take that messy, imperfect action because mm -hmm. that's what's going to give you the clarity you need. You know, it's like if you you could think about your niche for weeks and months and years, or you could just get into some Facebook groups, talk to some people, experiment, maybe take on some free clients like I did. You know, I know a lot of other coaches will say, don't do anything for free. And I'm, I don't believe in that at all. Yeah. I think it can be such a great way to just boost your confidence, give you the validation that you need, that you're on the right track. So yeah, test it out and don't wait for everything to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I have a dietitian right now who's transitioning from working in a very weight centric role to uh, having an intuitive eating private practice because she felt like it was no longer aligning. And I encourage her to get out there and just do it. And so she has a few clients, people in her circle already who she's doing for free for a little bit and being able to have them as safe people to test the waters with and make mistakes with and learn from has been so empowering for her and her confidence. She's feeling so much readier to uh, actually get out there and start charging people and marketing and all of that. Yes, I'm so glad you said that and that you're finding that with your clients too, because you get so much value in exchange. Like you said, you get the confidence, you get market research, you get to refine your process, mm -hmm. you possibly get a testimonial at the end. Um, and you would get none of that if you were just stuck in your head overthinking it. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you are pivoting so much. I did the same thing when I started working with dietitians because that wasn't something that I had done explicitly. I'd mentored, I had, you know, done some things here or there, but that's not the same as running a business for dietitians. So when you're making a big switch, it can be really helpful to test the waters out in and see how things go. So I, I appreciate that you encourage that anytime you recommend uh, challenging perfectionism, you know, that I'm on board. <laughs> yes, of course. And one thing that I always talk about too, just kind of in line with the perfectionism, perfectionism piece is to really take on the mindset of a steadfast 
scientist. So that's kind of just like a cute little term I came up with. But what that means is just that you, you know, you're willing to stay in it, that you're committed and that you approach things with that experimentation mindset and not expecting like everything to work out not seeing failures, less failures, but more as lessons. And Mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, just approach things the way a scientist would, which is experimenting, getting, seeing what happens, and then kind of like tweaking, adapting from there. So that can be a really helpful shift for people who are caught in perfectionism is like, how, how can I learn from this? Um, How can I see, you know, mistakes as opportunities and just stepping stones along the way? Yeah. Yeah. It's that viewing everything as an experiment with curiosity rather than judgment can really help us test things out and see what doesn't work and not get too too hard on ourselves if it feels like it's not working. Exactly. Amazing. Now, I know that one of the other pressures that dietitians tend to face when they decide to open a business is this idea of like standing out in the sea of all the other dietitians. And we can argue that there's perfectionism tied into that of like, I want to get my messaging down. I want to do it the right way. Like, how do you stand out when it seems like there are more and more dietitians taking up wonderful space in the business world? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot I could say about that and messaging is something that I dive deep in with my clients. Um, But you're right. Like it it doesn't matter how great you are at what you do. Like you could be the best dietitian in the world. And if you're not able to actually communicate your expertise and the value of what you do in a clear and compelling way, then you're not going to attract clients. So, um, you know, messaging, there's many components to your message. Uh, but ultimately it's about really letting you shine. And I know that probably sounds cheesy, right? Like be you, Mm -hmm. but that is the whole thing. Um, a lot of us kind of hide or, um, it's scary to be visible online and we don't feel comfortable speaking our truth, but you know, a big part of what makes your messaging land with somebody is when you are, um, really vocal about the things that you believe in, you know, your, your nutrition beliefs, your philosophies, if you're somebody who is, like very into keto, then, you know, speak about it. Don't shy away from that. Um, And if you're somebody who's into intuitive eating or whatever, like even, you know, I have clients who still like focus on weight loss and that can be scary too, because there's a lot of like um, in the dietitian world. And so they're just scared to ruffle feathers and to get attacked for their beliefs. But at the end of the day, you want to speak to the person you're trying to attract, not, not to other Other dietitians. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're not your, they're not your target audience. Um, Their opinions don't matter to you. Um, You have to just, uh, yeah, stay true to yourself, speak, speak your truth, speak to what you believe in. Um, And so, yeah, bring more of yourself, bring more of your stories into your message, personal stories, because uh, nobody has, nobody has that. Like nobody is you, nobody Mm -hmm. has the same story, same experience as you. So if you can tie that into a lot of your content, that's really powerful. I mean, stories just resonate with people on a deeper level. We tend to like retain information better when it's in story form and like really kind of bring some emotion into it. So sharing your stories, sharing your beliefs, your philosophies, Um, and just, yeah, like truly just letting all parts of you shine, like your quirks and, um, don't feel like you need to be this perfectly polished presence online. Um, People don't want that right now anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you, you could create the most amazing piece of content, but it's the energy behind it. That's what really matters. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I see people like buying kind of cheap templates or caption templates online. And, um, I mean, like, I think that can get you started, but I don't really believe in that because I think that rather than getting the words perfect, the best thing you can do is like really just, um, get sold on yourself first, like believe in yourself, what you bring to the table, really fall in love with what you're selling. Cause it's so much easier to sell something that you truly believe in and then communicate it with that energy, with that conviction yeah. behind it. That's what's going to really um, magnetize people to you. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is two benefits of this. Really. The first is that um, you're going to attract the people who are a better fit, if you're upfront about what your philosophies are and what your practice is, you know, in, in my program, I talk a lot about systemic things. I talk about capitalism. I talk about patriarchy. I talk about white supremacy. Um, I talk about some of these like hard things. And when I first started, I was so scared. I was like, these are really heavy hitting words. What if I just like alienate everyone? And mm-hmm. I had to come to realize that like the dietitians who wanted to hear that were going to be receptive. And the dietitians who weren't, I didn't want to put them in my program and then blindside them after I took their money. Like you need to know what you're signing up for. So it helps attract the right people. And then it also just adds that uniqueness to you. You know, there are aspects of who you are that are going to be different, whether you're into like woo woo stuff like I am, or you really like dogs and your dog shows up in your videos or whatever it is that sets you out. It's just something to make you a human. Yeah. And we buy from humans, right? Yes. We're people, we're, we're humans and we buy from other humans. And those are the things that really connect you with people. Like I know um, the, the times that I get the most response to my posts or my uh, stories is when I'm just sharing really mundane things. Like oh, yeah. look at this pretty plant I got. I'm such a plant lady now, right? Like right? the most random things. It's not like the business. <laughs> no, my dog, Toby, who's milling about in the background somewhere, he might pop in. Um, he's like the star of my social media feed. And he's constantly, <laughs> he, I call him my mascot because he reminds us all the importance of rest because he loves his naps. Um, so he shows up and people love it. They love seeing him. And that's totally cool because it makes me more of a human rather than just this like perfect polished professional. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said um, before too, about like, it's important to remember that marketing isn't just about attracting people. It's also about repelling the wrong people. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you want to remember that if you're ever afraid to share something, it's better to be upfront with it. Because like you said, you don't want somebody to buy your program and then realize that you're totally, your values are totally um, misaligned and that you don't believe in the same things. Yeah, exactly. Now we're talking a lot about marketing through social media. What do you have to say to the dietitians out there? Because there are a lot of them who feel intimidated or maybe even turned off by social media as a marketing tool for their business. Are there alternatives or do you have any tips that make it feel a little bit more aligned? Yes. Yes. Such a good question. And you're right. There are a lot of people who are um, kind of put off by social media. And I mean, I have like a couple things to say about that. The first one being that 
businesses existed long before social media. So Mm -hmm. it is possible. I have clients who choose not to focus their attention there and they're still doing really well, building thriving businesses. So if you're absolutely like against it and adamant that you don't want to be on it, there are ways, but either way, there's going to be a time investment. So either you're spending the time creating content, engaging with people, being social on social media, or you're doing that in your community, doing workshops, Mm -hmm. networking, like either way, there is going to be a time investment, but you have to pick the one that feels better to you, that feels Mm -hmm. more natural to you, because that's how you're going to be able to stay consistent with it, right? If you're forcing yourself to do something that you absolutely hate, then uh, yeah, it's just going to be a really, really uh, long haul and just like not a fun journey of building your business. Um, So that's part part one. Um, But the second thing is just to ask yourself too, like what exactly is it about social media that you don't like, right? Because maybe you're thinking that it has to be a certain way because you see other people doing it that way. Like you think you have to dance online and I don't, I don't do that. I'm not the dancing dietitian. (laughs) Um, So if you think you have to do it a certain way, you might want to question those thoughts and assumptions because um, you get to do it your way. Um, I mean, and I know personally for me, like I've always preferred Facebook. That's the platform that I grew my first business on and also this business on. And I don't invest as heavily into Instagram. Um, And that's fine. You don't have to be everywhere. You don't have to be on TikTok or Clubhouse or all the things like you just want to pick the one that you most enjoy and that you can really be consistent at. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to standing out in the sea too, because if you're not a dancing dietitian, then don't be a dancing dietitian. Do a reel or a post the way that feels most authentic to you. And that will help you be true to yourself too. So all of these tips seem like they're kind of converging on this one theme of like, don't deny who you are. You're allowed to be different and not just kind of go along with a trend for the sake of going along with it. Yeah, definitely. And just trust that you can build a business in the way that suits you, that Mm -hmm. suits your strengths. Like that, that's, I think, at the core of what I do with my clients. Like, yes, we do strategy and all this, all of that, but it comes down to trusting yourself to, to build the business that suits your life because, you know, maybe you have kids at home, maybe you're still working part-time and you want to be um, because you like it. Like it doesn't have to look like anybody else's journey. Um, And yeah, you're not franchising a business. Like you're not, this isn't a cookie cutter thing. Like you get to build the business that works for you. Yeah. And speaking of that, one of the things that I'm really noticing and, and I heard this and Currently, as we're recording this, going through a workshop for dietitians and they're submitting questions. And one of the questions that I got was on this topic of a lot of dietitians are going into private practice because it's kind of being painted as the option. If you're not enjoying your current job, the answer is like quit and start a business, quit and go into private practice. How do we make sure that if we are going into a business or private practice, that we're doing it because it's genuinely the right move for us and our lives and not because we're simply just running away from something that we don't like? Mm-hmm. It's a juicy question. Uh, I mean, and honestly, there are no guarantees, right? Like, I think um, I'll share a little bit about my journey because 
I got to the point when I was still working in clinical oncology where I just, I actually felt really lost at one point. I did, I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I, I actually questioned why I even became a dietitian in the first place. Yeah. I didn't feel valued. I didn't feel challenged. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So I went through like at least a year or so of just feeling like really down and um, confused and lost. And I ended up um, meeting with a career coach in Toronto. Um, and that was like super helpful for me because it just opened my eyes to all these other possibilities. And I started doing like career interviews with random like a learning strategist because I had all these ideas because I love teaching too right so um you know teaching at the local university I I kind of got to know um some people there and interviewed them I interviewed a learning strategist I interviewed somebody who worked for a big food company so I was just exploring different things to see what was out there um, and it all just, yeah, I mean, it kind of happened organically. And to be honest, my first experience at private practice was not what it is now. And it was not enjoyable. It was actually, um, I was doing just general kind of like weight loss stuff at a chiropractor's clinic downtown. Mm -hmm. And that was not at all what I wanted because I just felt like, well, people had unrealistic expectations, but also it just, it was such a contrast to what I was doing in the oncology clinic at the I'm time. Sure. I was still working there. So it was like, okay, you want to lose like five pounds off your belly. And like, meanwhile, there's people like dying of cancer who are trying not to lose weight. Yeah. So it just felt icky to me. And that, so that was my first taste of private practice, <laughs> but um, you know, so just so I'm saying that because just because you try it once, or maybe you try one niche that didn't yes. feel good, doesn't mean that that it's not for you. Maybe you just haven't found the right population or you haven't like seen the business model that suits you, but just know that there's so many options out there. Like if you don't want to do clinical, that doesn't mean you have to, um, to start a private practice. You could do writing. Like there's so many opportunities with writing, um, and just in the food industry, there's, yeah, there's, there's so many so opportunities out there, but yeah, I'm curious too, like to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, going back to values is a really important step. Um, and so I do a lot of work of like, well, what's important to you? What do you want your life to look like? Don't worry about like, what you're doing for a job, but kind of think about, you know, how much time do you want? How do you want to feel? What are the things that light you up? And something like you said of interviewing different people and exploring what the options are out there can be a really nice way um, to do it because we don't want to just be running away. We want to take the time to think, what are my strengths? What do I enjoy? What don't I like about my current position that's not aligning? And what are maybe some ways to find something that's different? Um, so I think that having a support system, someone to help you sort through those questions, whether it's different interview people or a coach or something like that is, is huge to make sure that you are being really intentional about your next steps. Yeah. Yeah. And it does take time. Don't rush the process. It's um, like you said, asking yourself those deeper questions, finding mm -hmm. someone who can guide you in that, um, sitting with it and then, and then not being willing to just experiment, right. And kind of let, let the next steps unfold. Cause you, yeah. you just don't know yeah. um, where it's going to go. Exactly. And I will send like a cautionary message to anyone out there who is making the um, switch or tempted to make the switch burnout is not exclusive to like clinical 
unhappiness is not exclusive to one type. There's no area of dietetics that's immune to that. And it is just as possible to be burnt out, to work yourself into the ground, to feel undervalued in a private practice as it is in any other area. So you want to be figuring out the root of those issues rather than just thinking that switching will automatically fix everything because each area has its own challenges that come with it. Yes, totally. That's such a good reminder. Yeah. So as we wrap up, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit to that of the fact that like, it is super possible to like work crazy hours and overwork yourself and burn out when you're in a business model, um, when you're in that environment, when you're in charge of yourself. So how do you make sure that the dietitians that you work with are making sure that they're prioritizing joy and enjoyment and uh, not overstretching themselves? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, it starts with uh, like first getting clear on your intentions and what you want your business and your life to look like, because people often come to me and they're they're stuck in comparison mode and they're like, well, this person does this and this person has this business. Mm -hmm. And it's like so funny when I ask them the questions of like, okay, does, does that appeal to you? Right? Like, yeah. I remember this one client and she, she had two kids um, and she really liked coaching and she kept comparing herself to somebody who didn't have kids and was running a purely like course-based model. Like, oh, yeah. Help yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so this person, yeah, they're making a lot of money, but is this the business you want to have? They Do they have the lifestyle you want to have? And so we want to get clear on that first. Like, what does success really mean to yes. you? What does it look like? Because mm -hmm. for some people, it's not like the flashy six figures or seven figures. For some people, it's just like more time with their kids, being able to pay for extracurriculars and be happy with the work they do. So yeah. you want to really define that. And that that helps so much when it comes to that comparison struggle, because you realize like, okay, that's not even that's not what I want at all. No. Um, and just getting back to grounding and like what what you know, success is for you. So that's the first step is being clear on, on what like how many hours you want to work? What do you want? What, why did you start this business? What are you hoping it will provide for you? Um, and then being intentional as we create the business, right? So just noticing when like, um, yeah, when, when things start to feel overwhelming, you know, sometimes clients decide like, okay, my fully booked number is 10 clients. Mm -hmm. And then they start to get close to that. They're like at eight, nine, and they're like, okay, I'm already, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, and so then we have to kind of assess that, like what's going on, um, and, and often it comes down to boundaries, but sometimes it's just truly that like, yeah, they're already at capacity and they yeah. can't take on another client and that's okay too. Then we have to reassess, like, do you want to increase your pricing? Do you like, how can we make this work for you? But it's constantly, yeah, it's like just um, questioning how you feel every step of the way. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. huge. I just, I'm, it's so funny that we're talking about this now because I'm currently in the time management module of my uh, group program with my first cohort. And uh, we've already talked about values and what we want and what we like and all of that. But in 
this module, what we're doing is we're looking at how they're currently spending their time versus how they want to be spending their time. Mm -hmm. And then we're learning about the boundaries that we need to be able to close the gap between those two things. And it sounds like that's really what you're talking about here too, is asking the hard questions of what do you want your day to look like? How do you want to feel? What is your capacity for different clients and different types of work so that we can make a business that works for you? Yeah, so good. And also just it's like sometimes undoing the mindset and beliefs that we have about like hard work is the oh only gosh. path to success because that's <laughs> like so ingrained in us. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know for me, it was just like growing up um, yeah. my parents, but also just in society in general, it's like yeah. being productive and hustling and working hard is the only path. And that's not true. I mean, I know that for a fact because I live it and also I help my clients with it, but it does require you to question that and to just take the actions even when it's uncomfortable, right? Like, um, I mean, an example. So every morning after I drop my son off at school, I come home and I read a little bit and that's fine. I'm used to doing that. But there was one day where I just really felt like watching a TV, like a trashy TV show. And in my brain, I was like, oh no, like you that, can't do you that. can't do that. That's not right. You're like, but, but why is reading any different? It's like mm -hmm. reading for fun too. So why can't I watch a silly show? So I did, because it's like, if I'm telling myself I have the freedom to do whatever I want, then I have to actually like you know, yeah, give yourself my full brain, permission. Yeah. But be like, no, thanks. But I am going to watch that show and that's okay. I still yeah. get to have what I want and my business gets to be successful, even if I watch trashy TV midday or in the morning. Absolutely. You know, challenging those like little preconceived ideas that we've internalized. Like you said, again, I talk about capitalism a lot and the influence that it has on us is it teaches us a lot about what we should be doing in terms of productivity and work and what's acceptable and recognizing that you don't necessarily have to buy into that all the time, that you're allowed to be unproductive and that it actually makes you a more well-rounded person and a more fulfilled person in the long run. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. So, but good, like it's, it's important for people to know or to hear your audience to hear that, like, if you try this, your brain is going to yeah. pick up a storm and tell you all the things like you're so lazy, you're so mm -hmm. unproductive. What are you doing? Yep. But you kind of need to silence that voice or acknowledge it and that it's trying to keep you safe. But at the same time, like you're building a business that gives you freedom. So so actually live that instead yeah. of just being glued to your laptop. Yeah, well, that's that's where business coaches and supervisors come in is that we can be that external person when those voices are piping up to help you reframe, to help remind you of the things that you need to be reminded of, because it can be hard in the moment to remind yourself and to like be your own coach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Amazing. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, Orly, for sharing all of your wisdom and insights today and for helping us all feel like we can build a career as a dietitian that works for us instead of being at the whim of like, what dietitians are whatever quote unquote supposed to do. So if people are listening, if dietitians are listening and they're like, I love what you have to say, how can they learn more about what you do and get into your world a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the opportunity. I also have a podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, you might want to check it out. It's called the Health Pro to CEO podcast. 
and it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. So, um, you know, that's where you can hear more of me. I do a lot of solo episodes, but also some interviews as well. And then I have a free Facebook community with the same name, the Health Pro to CEO community. And I do trainings in there. I post content daily. Uh, so come join us there. It's a, yeah, it's a great community. Amazing. I'll be sure to link both of those in the show notes on the website, all of the places so that you can find it if you're driving in your car and you didn't catch it. Um, but thank you again, Orly, for your time today. It's been absolutely a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoy these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with your dietitian friends. And if you listen on Apple Music, leave a rating and review. This helps the podcast reach more dietitians so that we can really create a collective of dietitians who feel confident and connected both to their work and each other. You are not alone. And as always, if you're looking for that extra level of support, check out my Empowering Dietitians Supervision Services at www.empoweringdietitians.com slash individual dash supervision. That's www.empoweringdietitians.com slash individual dash supervision.